This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to live their best life and become location independent. This week, I speak with Donald Adler, who is a pop culture expert and social media coordinator at Bravo TV. Although known as the most interesting person you will ever meet and the queen of Instagram stories by many, Donald was not always so self-assured and it took an unconventional gap year to finally get the courage to be his true self. This gap year allowed him to embrace himself fully and follow his passions despite all the incredible obstacles he has faced. Today, Donald works for Bravo TV and lives out his dream as a pop culture expert and diva. Listen on to find out how to live out your dreams and move forward in life despite the obstacles you may face. Hey, Donald. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of our listeners who obviously can't see us where are we right now we are in 30 rock we are in a beautiful conference room with (laughs) gorgeous skyscraper views in manhattan new york city (laughs) so donald thank you so much for inviting me here we had a little drama before i got up here right it wouldn't be you know another day in my life without some drama and i loved it i loved all the tension that was building up just to get you up into this conference room but yeah, you were denied like three times. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it was. <laughs> they were just like, you can't get in, ma'am. You can't get in. And I was like, please, yeah. I need to go up there just to say I've been up here. Right. You had a very important interview to get to. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So the little scanner system wasn't working. Uh, we work in a very impressive building with strict security, so they wouldn't let you up. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And then you were talking about, can you imagine if it wasn't a celebrity yeah. waiting to get up? That would be really <laughs> tragic. You know, I've seen celebrities swiping in before and having a little trouble, but after, you know, 10 seconds, someone helps them out and they yeah. go up. But, you know, it wasn't It happening. wasn't like that. No. I had to go to the, the visitor <laughs> center and it was like three times. But I felt really special because yeah. I was pretty much like escorted in <laughs> by like four security guards you're kind of a star now <laughs> so here. i am a celebrity yeah okay? in your own right you know i love the security folks here they're amazing shout out to 30 rock security <laughs> and they do the best job so thank you to our brave heroes they really do so donald i <laughs> know about you because of my cousin katrina yes. and i asked her i said do you know anyone that would be interesting to interview and she said you're the most interesting person that she knows i will take that i don't know that i've received that (laughs) comment before um but i will always take it yeah any compliment i can receive so how does that feel being the most interesting person (laughs) in someone's life i want to be on the cover of people magazine with that exact same title or most beautiful person whichever (laughs) issue they do um yeah that's an honor thanks katrina like love you wherever you are right now hopefully listening to this podcast um that's so nice i'm curious what she thinks is so interesting about me me too we can talk to her when we have Mm -hmm. brunch next time thank god so donald can you tell us a little bit about you and why you lead an offbeat life yeah um i'm donald (laughs) and 
I guess I lead an offbeat life, not in terms of physical, like where I am physically, but in my life I've always just done what I wanted to do and kind of led with passions or what I've, I was actually interested in, uh, kind of regardless of if other people in my life have done that before. I, I think it's actually similar to your cousin Katrina in that nobody in our families had done television, worked in that in any way. I didn't know anyone in this life, in this world, but I knew that I was obsessed with it. And I loved <laughs> pop culture. And I grew up in a really religious Jewish uh, environment. I went to a very strict Jewish school. And, you know, everyone had a very different path. And none of that, none of them went into television afterwards. <laughs> and I said, this is what I want to do. And so I think that makes me live kind of an offbeat life. I think I kind of march to the beat of my own drum, or however you say that phrase. So that's one thing. I did, uh, in terms of physical traveling, I also, I have led an offbeat life before. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done that. Um, in between high school and college, I did a gap year. So for a year, I lived abroad, um, and I did this amazing program where we were based in Jerusalem, Israel, and we would learn about other countries for six weeks at a time, and then we would travel to them for two weeks. Oh, wow. So back and forth for a full year, and it was amazing. That's so cool. Yeah, it was unbelievable. You, you would learn about something, go there. You would, like, sometimes once we learned about, like, the history of Egyptian government, and we were about to go there, and then the whole government changed. There was, like, an uprising. So we had to relearn it, like, the day before we went. So, like, so the government works differently there now as of yesterday. That was when they had the revolution, <laughs> right? Yeah, I like actually the was there. Yeah, oh, really? Right, three months after oh the revolution. Oh my Can you believe God. that? This was when I was still a photojournalist. Yeah. And then I was supposed to do a shoot in Palestine. Oh my God. And they blocked it because of all of the bombings that was happening. Yeah. And then I had to go to Egypt to do a different story. And yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, like insane. I think we ended up. No, I know. We ended up not going to Egypt because there was just so much uproar that we're like, you know what? We are like 18 and 19. Yeah. Maybe let's not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> May not so, be a good yeah. idea at that time. <laughs> yeah. What was the best thing and the most important thing that you learned during your gap year? Because a lot of people in the United States especially, you, you hear this a lot in Europe where there's a lot of high school children that after they leave high school, they go off and do the gap year. But here in the United States, they don't do that like we never hear of that which is really unique for you for your parents to allow you to do that what was your experience like and what was the most important thing that you got from it so I went to this very religious Jewish high school growing up and so I mentioned that because almost everyone I went to high school with they did do a gap year but they um, a lot of very orthodox Jewish people which I'm happy to break down and explain um, <laughs> they'll go to they'll go to Israel the year after high school and do a year of intense Bible study so it's from morning until night all you do is study the Bible and that wasn't the path that I was going to take and I was very clear about that um, I kind of got shunned from my school when I mentioned that's not the path I want oh wow um, yeah they said it was you know, somewhat despicable, that I was doing a disservice to myself and my religion and yada, yada, yada. And I said, I would rather travel and live my damn life. And I went on a program that was completely pluralistic, which means that every form of Judaism was accepted. You could be 
totally unreligious. You could be very religious. You could be somewhere in the middle. Being abroad, I kind of, for the first time, I got to surround myself with all different types of people. Even if a lot of them were Jewish, at least I had a difference in perspectives. Uh, and it was a super open-minded program. So I felt like I was in a, a new country with new people, and I got to just be myself 110%. And I've always been myself, but I felt so physically removed from the world that I grew up in that I was like, I'm going to just go super hard and be myself. So is this when you came out? Yes. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. we just want to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, literally, that's specifically what I meant. So <laughs> I, had, um, I went to Israel on my gap year without even the intention of coming out. The impact of just being so far removed from the world in which I grew up, within one week of me being there, I made the decision to come out. Um, and I ha didn't even have that on my radar. But I met a new group of people, and they were all like, is this kid gay? <laughs> and like, your question. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but <laughs> so everyone I grew up with, I went to school, the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. Oh, my so gosh. So no one really thought of me in any sort of way. We just yeah. grew up together, and that was I was just Donald. When I went on this gap year... They were like, oh, who's this openly gay kid? Because I just seemed openly gay. I yeah. was, I've always been exactly who I am. Yeah. So peop it was a little confusing. Um, <laughs> and I went on the program, and there was one other person who had n known me before. So a lot of people asked her, uh, is that kid gay? And so it kind the rumblings kind of got back to me. And I said, you know what? I am. So why don't I just come out? right now <laughs> and so I just yeah did it. it's amazing Donald how getting out of your comfort zone and what you had at home led you to finally be who you really are 110 percent you know and traveling can definitely do that it's really insane sometimes how you could be honest with people that don't really know you more than the people that know you mm -hmm. your whole life yeah it's you feel like you can just open up about anything and they don't have the context or they're not going to go back to your family or your friends at home so you can just tell them whatever and I ended up doing that a lot and leaning on these people a lot to get me through that <laughs> because I was like eh, they're totally attached from the rest of my life they became a part of my life but <laughs> in that moment it was easy to open up how was that transition like now you finally came out yeah. abroad yeah and then coming back home yeah. what was that like <laughs> well I came out fully when I was abroad so what I did was from September till February of that year, I slowly came out, like, very calculated. I was so serious about <laughs> it. In retrospect, I wish I had a little more fun with it. Yeah. Towards the end, I did because I was getting bored. But um, <laughs> you were getting uh, bored. Yeah, bored of this whole series. Like, there's something I need to talk to you about. <laughs> I need to tell you something about myself. Like, I'm just not that serious of a yeah. person. As you can so, all yeah, hear yeah. from Donald. <laughs> <laughs> As you may have guessed. So to have that many, those many sit-down, one-on-one conversations was taxing for me. Yeah, I, I was very calculated in the order I wanted to tell people. So I wanted to tell, you know, my mom and my dad first. And so they didn't hear from anyone else. And then, you know, my closest friends. And I just wanted Wait, to make are sure. are you an only child? I have, oh, sorry. Oh. I have a brother and a sister. Okay. They also found out. <laughs> or I told them. But <laughs> yeah, so I was very, very careful about it. And I wanted to do it. But by the time February came around, everyone in my life, even back home, they knew. So I you know, wrote my dad a letter and then spoke to him on the phone because oh, wow. I didn't get to see him in person. My mom came to Israel to visit me and I came out to her in that week. So I like made time to have those mm -hmm. moments. 
And then I came back, and there was kind of that awkward moment, like, when I saw people for the first time, like, you know I came out. <laughs> Are we going to address that? Or there'd be a moment where they're like, I'm very proud of you. Aww. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> You're proud Steve of Steve from <laughs> math uh, <laughs> class. Like, I, yeah. Has something ever happened to you after you came out where – Someone who was also closeted came out as well because of you and what you did? I would say I'm an inspiration. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know what? I have to say, um, I was in a fraternity in college, which might end up being a whole other part of this podcast episode. (laughs) But I was in a very straight, fratty fraternity. And I was the only gay person in it. That I, you know of. That, well, a few came out afterwards. No yeah. Way. So I was, I was very openly gay from the moment I walked in that door until, you know, every second of my life. Um, but it was, it was kind of fun for them to have a gay guy in the frat. I could, you know, I could drink just as hard as them. I'd bring a bunch of girls to the party, but I wouldn't compete with them. So yes. it was a whole thing. It's actually better. Yeah. I was like, I'm <laughs> no bringing you. Yeah. <laughs> I like pitched myself that way. I was like, <laughs> I'll drink you under the table. I can dance harder than you. And I'll bring all these girls. So how about that? <laughs> Worked out well for me. Um, but yeah, after I came out, there was like a, kind of a waterfall of a few guys who came out afterwards. Wow. And it was really nice. Um, and also... Back to me being an inspiration <laughs> on my gap year program. Um, so I'd come out the whole year, and it was it was really lovely to see. I was on a with a group of sixty people, mm-hmm. and so you know I came out, and they as a whole really showed me support. Even though a lot of them were religious in their own ways, as a collective, there was like a lot of support for like Donald coming out. It was like an emotional thing for the whole group. And the last week of the program, there was one guy who nobody would have ever expected he was gay. And he asked if he could sit down with me. And I was like, I have no idea what he wants to talk about, <laughs> but okay. And he was like, I- I'm gay. Oh my and gosh, he said yeah. it was really like heartwarming to see how the rest of the group accepted me. So that helped him. So that I was like, yes, this is what it's all about. <laughs> I became his gay life coach. Aww. And we had a beautiful time just helping him get to a place where he was comfortable. So I, I was a gay life coach once, uh, but it was for free. So you, I, you could still do that now, and you yeah. can charge people <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah, if anyone it. wants to hit me up on Instagram, <laughs> I'm an amazing life coach or gay life coach. Um, please send your invoices directly to me via DM. <laughs> and that's that. <laughs> so, Donald, you have gone through a lot already. You're still really young, but you're in a really great position right now. What do you do exactly? Tell us. Yeah, so I work at Bravo, and I do their social media. So Bravo is a network under NBC, and so they have a lot of unscripted shows that people might know, like the Real Housewives franchise, a personal favorite of mine. So <laughs> Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of Dallas, Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of New Jersey, uh, Real Housewives of OC. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to stop, but I can continue. Um, and then, they should <laughs> do that show for, like, gays. Yeah, right? I know, I know. Oh, the Real House Come Husbands, on. I've thought of it. I might pitch it. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they really, um, Bravo's an amazing network and they have shows that are also scripted. So um, there's a show, Dirty John, that's really incredible. That's based off of a true crime podcast. It has Connie Britton and Eric Bana in it. There's a lot of really, really great programs. So I get to do their social media, which I love. Mm-hmm. I'll do their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and there's a lot of shows on the network. So it's kind of making finding ways to support all of them. 
uh, which is a fun challenge. This is like your dream job, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> that's this I'll, is your yeah. dream job, and you got it, and you love housewives, yeah. the housewives. So yeah, this is really even – it's like a cherry on top, <laughs> on top of a really big cake you already <laughs> <laughs> It's really great. A gluten-free, carb-free <laughs> cake. Organic. Um, yeah, mm-hmm, soy latte <laughs> cake. <laughs> so you have this incredible job. You've gone through all of these different changes in your life, and you came out, and you traveled. What has been – the most difficult time in your life and like the struggles that you've had and how do you usually get over it? I don't think I've gone through too much that was that difficult. I I never see myself as a victim. So sometimes people, I have close friends who might uh, reference a time in my life. I was like, oh, that must have been really hard. And I'm like, I'm sure it was, but then I went to brunch the next minute and then I, you know, went out dancing that night. So like, I don't think of it like that. But, you know, when I was in high school, I was in a really, really, really religious school and setting and you know teachers saying how horrible it was to be gay uh, and I was gay so (laughs) um, that definitely wasn't great Um, I was fully closeted and so that I just felt like I didn't get to fully be myself I still acted the same so like my mannerisms and such like haven't really changed Uh, maybe I'm more exaggerated now in in those moments I just knew that there was like more for myself and so that got me through. I was never like, this is stupid and I hate this. I never like acted out like that. I just kind of sat there calmly and I was like, I know that there's more for me. Yeah. And so I'm going to get there. And I might have to be a little patient and mm-hmm. wait until I'm out of this setting, a.k.a. high school, but <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. religiousness. I waited, but I, I still never stopped being myself, as I said. So I was actually the president of my high school. I was very no you know, public, open person I there. I see that. Thank you. I, I was like totally student council, that. pep rallies, <laughs> like rah, rah, rah. Um, but because that's the only thing I felt like I had to contribute is like my personality. So um, so I still contributed it. But I was like, by the way, let's just not reference how gay I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in those times, I know, I, I always like see the light and, you know, it gets better. I think coming out was, you know, really hard in the beginning, but I didn't have like a really rocky road. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have no one shunned me from my family or that excommunicated great, me. Yeah. Um, I think it would be unfair of me to claim any sort of victimhood because a lot of people have it so much worse. And you know what? Everyone has their struggles and everyone is valid to, you know, how they feel and entitled to that. Um, but I don't feel like a victim in any way. But you know, it's also your mentality, right? Yeah. Because you could, yeah, technic- could. you could yeah. say <laughs> a lot of things. You could have that victim mentality, yeah. and a lot of people do, which is really a shame because yeah. if you change your mindset, then it doesn't become that way, yeah. and you could change whatever destiny and future you have with the way you're thinking, and mm-hmm. you could definitely change other people's mindset yeah. from that as well. I mean, talking about you being an influencer, influencer in a lot of ways and they see how positive you are and how you handled coming out and all of these different life decisions Mm -hmm. that are really hard for a lot of people and you just kind of went there and you did it and then other people see that as well and that's you influencing how they think about things which is amazing uh and i love that you know i i really learned two major things when i came out throughout this journey that stick with me every day um the first is 
you have to be as open-minded to people as you want them to be to you. So I remember when I first came out, I was like, well, I guess I'll never be friends with straight guys again because they're going to think I'm weird or they're not going to want to talk to me and blah, blah, blah. And then when I went to join a frat in college, um, I was really nervous about that as a bunch of straight guys, but I was being close-minded to them. You know, I didn't know. I knew that I had to be open-minded towards them. A lot of them didn't care. Some of them was like, yeah, I have a gay cousin. I don't, I have other stuff going on. <laughs> They're like, your life is not really that yeah, important to me. Exactly. Right <laughs> and that's the second thing that is truly the, the number one piece of advice that I've ever received. My favorite piece of advice that I've ever received, and I think about all the time, is that nobody cares about you as much as you care about you. So it's a really harsh reality to sink in. But I remember when I was super nervous to come out to like my friend from chemistry class or you know anyone, my, my aunt Susan, I got advice from someone telling me that like, listen, as much as you think this is gonna rock their world, you're gonna tell Aunt Susan, she's either gonna be surprised or supportive, and then she's gonna say, what should I have for lunch? And then she's gonna go to work, and then she's gonna say, what should I have for dinner? And then she's gonna go to bed and be like, what should I watch before bed? No one's sitting around thinking about you all day. Even if they're your close family or friends, no one thinks about you as much as you do. So that is something that I share with people whenever they're in a time of crisis of, oh, it's so awkward, I can't go into work, this thing happened last week. I said, listen, no one's sitting around thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. They have their own problems yeah. to try to solve, seriously. <laughs> yeah, you have people who love and support you, but they're not thinking about you as much as you are. And that's why you need to take care of yourself as well, because no one's going to do that more than you are. Yes, hashtag right? self-care. <laughs> Literally, like cucumber mask, all of that, for sure. And brunch. <laughs> yes, that's a form of self-care. You're putting it nutrients is. into your body. Exactly. Avocados, for sure. <laughs> So you talked about the best advice that you got. What is the worst advice you've ever received? Probably anyone who's advised me to go towards the root of what makes the most financial sense. So being like, TV sounds really fun, but you should do something a little more stable or a little more predictable or what are the benefits like? And those are all great practical considerations. It's a form of privilege in that I don't constantly worry about that. But... I think that playing it safe and just having a steady life and kind of pursuing my hobbies on the side is not how I wanted to go. I wanted, I wouldn't fit in in a place in which I did that. I can't imagine you being like a bank teller <laughs> yeah. or a lawyer. No, could not. No, you could ever. be a good lawyer because you'd be super dramatic. <laughs> yes. Right? I'd be like, order in the court, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be my episode of Law and Order. <laughs> Um, and it would be, you know, the highest rated episode for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was just basically to not pursue a passion of mine and kind of go a more predictable route is the worst piece of advice. You only live once, so you should like do what you actually like. And I was honored to just quote Drake there in YOLO. Um, but <laughs> you really, you really do. And I, I have a lot of friends who do jobs for jobs. And I'm like, is being an eye doctor the dream of your life? And it might be, but I'm like, is it? <laughs> you are a life coach. Yeah, exactly. Listen to this. Guy. I'm inspired by myself right now. <laughs> yeah, like, know. I would take this advice and run with it. You should re-listen to yourself yeah. over and over again on this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to, and I'm going to probably cry. Yeah. I'd be like, he's so brilliant. Like, do I know that guy? And then you'd look in the mirror and say, it's me. Yeah, it's me, snitches. <laughs> this is me. Ugh. Warms my heart. 
with that. Donald, let's fast forward to 50 years from now, mm-hmm. and you're looking back at your life. What legacy do you want to leave, and what do you want to be remembered for? That is so deep. I love <laughs> it. I feel like I'm an episode of This Is Us, where it like fast forwards <laughs> and then comes back. Yes. I'm still here. And you could listen to this 50 yes. years from now and see. And I will. <laughs> it will be on my phone or whatever device we have then, like a chip in our brain. Probably. Um, I would love to have left some sort of legacy in media and pop culture. You know, I got into television because I was obsessed with pop culture. And I remember thinking, if I could be a part of making any moment in pop culture, that's my dream come true. I had a couple internships at talk shows, so daytime talk shows and late night talk shows. And I love that because there were so many viral um, big moments in, in talk shows that I loved. And I thought if I could be there for any of that or have a a hand in it. Drew Barrymore jumping on David Letterman's desk and flashing him. Iconic. I'm a huge Drew Barrymore fan. If any of my friends or family are listening to this, you're not surprised I'm bringing her up. Um, <laughs> I love her. I had a wall of Drew Barrymore pictures growing up. So, like, you know, people have like their favorite singers or like baseball players. Like, I had a wall of Drew Barrymore pictures. I saw on your Instagram yeah. a photo of you and Drew. My we, whole life how, came wait, together tell, that day. Tell us <laughs> yeah. this first meeting. Oh, my God. How did this happen, <laughs> and what was your reaction like? So <laughs> I have been a Drew Barrymore fan my entire life. I remember, I mean, not since the day I was born. Like, I probably watched Barney first and then got into Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I I remember Never Been Kissed came out when I was young, and I was like, oh, that's such a sweet, fun movie. Yeah. And then Charlie's Angels came out after oh, that, yeah. and I was like, who is this kick-ass lady? Yes. She is my full-blown superhero. <laughs> and so, like, instead of, like, you know, the Marvel comics or Harry Potter, I was like, Drew Barrymore is my superhero. I will support anything that she does. I became a full-blown super fan. Yeah, I had a wall of Drew Barrymore pictures in my room. This has been a theme in my life. In fact, in high school, on February 22nd, her birthday, every February 22nd, I would bring in a cake for her birthday. Oh we would all celebrate. <laughs> People from my high school to this day will message me on February 22nd and say, Happy Drew Barrymore's birthday. Unfortunately, I could never get this date out of my head. <laughs> so that's the backstory there. Meeting Drew Barrymore. Woo! Mama, let me tell you. <laughs> so three days before I started working at Bravo, I got tickets to Andy Cohen's show, Watch What Happens Live. And uh, my friend worked there, and she said, Drew Barrymore is going to be on the show. And I said, well, uh, this is how I die. Um, <laughs> I'll never get over this. And so I had recently been gifted this T-shirt that was like a Drew Barrymore collage. So it's all pictures of Drew Barrymore's face totally covering me. So I was like, of course I'll wear that. That's not horrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wore like a leather jacket over it to be like, I'm so chill. But like, you not could too see. stalkerish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, please don't kick me out. Anyways, they had sat me in, like, the back of the studio, and it's a really small studio, but still, um, you know, it wasn't too easy to see my shirt. So they went through the whole show. They introduced her. I was like, oh, my God, I have chills. Like, there she is. We're in the same room. I love her so much. But, I, you know, I was being very respectful of her. I, would, I wasn't, like, cheering out, like, hey, Drew. I, this is her time to appear to promote her show. I'm here to support her. So the show ends. And I stand up, clap for Drew. Love you so much. And then uh, Andy Cohen sees my shirt. Drew Barrymore is still in the studio. And he goes, oh, my God, that shirt is amazing. And he goes, Drew, look at this. And he calls me over. He says, come down here. <laughs> and so she goes, oh, my God. Aww. And so I walk down to her, and I embrace her. We have a big <laughs> hug. 
And I was like, I love you. And the whole audience stands up and like, woohoo. Because oh they all knew. A lot of people were talking to me about my shirt beforehand yeah. and, and asking like, oh, you must be the biggest Drew Barrymore fan. So everyone stood up and supported. Um, they started taking pictures of us together. And I didn't even know what to say. I just hugged her and I said, it's all for you, babe. <laughs> and she goes, thanks. I was like, what does that mean? Uh, I was like, all of it. It's all for you. My whole life. Yeah, since birth. Um, so we had a beautiful beautiful embrace and i'll never forget it people say like oh, I'm, i'll never wash my arm again like i did wash my <laughs> arm like that that evening i took a shower but yeah it was a really like culminating moment in life and then i found out i got this job at bravo and i was like this is fate y'all i think you got the drew barrymore mojo right there <laughs> afterwards like things just went up from there exactly so you know? now we need to get you another meeting with drew i mean there was a movie called my date with drew and it's about this jewish guy who's obsessed with drew barrymore and he i, I was like i was felt like i was watching myself and he ultimately gets a date with her and it's like the sweetest thing and i just want that exact scene in my life and that's all I'll say about it. We we need to make this happen. Yeah. A petition. Or Everyone something. call your senators. Make <laughs> this happen. Please. I need it. So let's get to some more fun questions. Love it. I mean, all of your <laughs> answers are fun. I nerd out on interviewing people like you, who's so inspiring. <laughs> oh, <stop it. laughs> and like hiking and really cheesy eighties movies. What about oh. you, Donald? What do you nerd out on? I love talk shows a lot. So I watch daytime talk shows like whatever every like middle-aged woman watches like i do i watch the view every day um i love to watch these ladies gab and chat about the issues of the day i'm like this is what i need to know i can see you be in a talk show like a host <laughs> of a talk show i would love to you maybe should. in 50 years that would be my legacy you need to pitch this. yeah <laughs> yeah if you're listening anyone who can make this happen <laughs> let me know yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a big pop culture junkie, so I feed it in in every single way possible. I'm on every blog. I watch, you know, E! News. Um, there's a lot of Instagram accounts that I'm obsessed with that feed you celebrity culture. So one of my favorites ever is Comments by Celebrities. Shout out Comments by Celebs if you're listening. <laughs> um, I love them so dearly, and it's literally an Instagram account that aggregates just the best celebrity comments of the week on Instagram. I need to check that it's out now. It's so <laughs> funny because you just see like how celebrities are commenting to each other, if they're being witty or not, how they're being playful. A lot of times like this account will break news because yeah. it'll kind of reveal like how, you know, some celebrities are talking with each other and it's just it's truly the best. And they have one specific to Bravo as well, which warms my heart. So <laughs> it's just Bravo celebrities talking about Bravo celebrities, which is amazing. Yeah, like what I nerd out about is really just pop culture moments. So wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. You nerd out on something else. <laughs> what? Dancing. Oh my god. Come on. Were you not gonna <laughs> talk about that? Because every yeah. time I go to your stories I see you dancing. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't so. say I'm a trained dancer. I'd say like in the club I could dance. I haven't <laughs> taken a formal dance class, but you don't need to. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> there. Oh, something. Yeah, something that I've become obsessed with is there's this workout class in New York City mm -hmm. called 305 Fitness, and it's the most insane thing in the world. Pretty much, it's like <laughs> so. 305 is the Miami area code. Mm -hmm. So this workout class kind of replicates a Miami nightclub. So there's a live DJ in class. That there's flashing crazy. lights. You're twerking on the wall. You're twerking. You're doing on your the damn wall. thing. There's photo booths. <laughs> Everyone's really extra. Um, 
I've never felt more at home. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go at 7 a.m. and it's like a quick twerk before work. And it's really. Hashtag, hashtag twerk that. before work. Yeah. So I've definitely gotten a few dance moves through them. Um, but yeah, I really love to dance. Um, usually like out and about. I, like, I've never taken a dance class, nor will I ever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, get a few drinks in me, and I will be on the gram, dancing around, <laughs> showing the world, being like, this is what the world deserves to see. So you traveled a lot for that year when you were in Israel. Yeah. What has been the most life-changing meeting that you have since you've traveled to so many different places, even if it's here in New York City, that has been really instrumental to you growing as as an individual? Okay, I have this answer so (laughs) (laughs) of course you yeah I have it ready Uh, when I was in college my freshman year so I was still like I knew I wanted to work in entertainment but I'd never met anyone who has done that so I was kind of just generally taking media classes one day they said oh we're gonna have an alumni week Um, and during that week you can meet people in entertainment so I was like cool I looked at the roster and I was like some of these people are interesting we'll see and then I saw one person on Friday morning And they said, this person is a producer at The Late Show with David Letterman. His name is Brian. And I said, oh, my God. Like, he's coming here? I'm going to meet this person who's a producer at David Letterman? That's insane. It was, like, 8 a.m. on a Friday morning. And in my college, like, I had no Friday classes, and everyone went out Thursday night. And so I definitely did go out Thursday night. But I was like, I'm getting out of bed, and I must meet this person. (laughs) And I did. And he was just talking about his life and how what he does day to day and how he you know produces for celebrities and gets on the phone with them and asks them questions and works with the research team to come up with the questions. And he's on set every day. And I was like, oh, my God, I could be that person. That's insane. I had a lot of questions during the speech, and I went up to him afterwards. And I said, hi, Brian, Donald. Um, my question is, how do I be you? And he was like, can you be a little more specific? Um, and so I was like, I, like how, did you, uh, how did you get there? This is insane. We spoke and we kept in touch. And he became like really like a mentor towards me. And so getting into the late show with David Letterman, it was like a, a prestigious internship. Like it was very hard to get into. So he couldn't just give me an internship. Even though he did put me in touch with the HR person, they're like, you don't have any TV experience. And I was like, you don't have any TV experience. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess you do, like 30 years of it. But um, so then I didn't get that. And I let him know like, hey, I didn't get it. But thank you so much for setting me up. I can't even believe that. And summer was approaching. And then you know, a couple weeks before summer, he reached out and said, hey, my friend is hiring uh, at Joy Behar's talk show, which Joy Behar was a host on The View, and she had a separate talk show. He said, this could be a great experience if you want to get some, you know, production experience, and then you can maybe apply to David Letterman later. I did that, and it was the most amazing thing ever. It was my first time working on a talk show. It was super small, so I got to do so much. They really trusted me. I would work closely with talent. I would, you know, get all the green rooms ready and meet them at their cars and all that. That was great. And then that show ended and my boss from there went to the Rachel Ray show, which is another daytime show. And so she brought me there as an intern. And then that show shares a building with the uh, Wendy Williams show. So I interned there. And then finally, after I had all those experiences, I applied to the Late Show with David Letterman and I got this internship and it was a dream come true. So me meeting him was really fortuitous. And, you know, I still reach out to him every day. Uh, he's the executive producer at The View now, which is like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with The View. Um, and he's brought me there before, and it was Aww. so amazing. So thank you, Brian. Yeah, so meeting him was really it, – it's what set me off on my full path. 
is whenever you have someone that you really admire and sometimes you're really afraid to talk to that person because you feel like they're way above you and you're too scared to go up to them. And a lot of people in your situation that was in your school yeah. probably wanted to do the same thing that you did, <laughs> but they didn't take the step to do it. And you did, yeah. Donald. And even when you had that setback by not getting into the David Letterman show, you still kept going. And I think that's really what separates most people from success is just mm. keep trying even though you are given setbacks and failures and I say this all the time it's not failure it's just a way for you to learn yeah. what you need to do in order to get <laughs> there and that's exactly yeah. what you did I, I think in life and, and then another thing I've learned is like all you can do is ask and worst case scenario someone will say no you just have to ask for what you want and somewhat put it out there and something I learned from this person Brian who was like my mentor is that um I asked to meet with him for coffee, and he was, like, working at The Late Show. I came into New York City. He was like, oh, absolutely, I would love to. And he would always make time to meet with former Muhlenberg alumni. Muhlenberg is the college I went to. Um, regardless of, you know, what was happening, he would make time. And he said, it's important for me. You know, someone did that for me, and I always make sure to, to do that if someone asks me for an informational interview. So now I always make sure. Like, if anyone asks me, I will make time. It's not that I'm that busy, but, <laughs> but I'll – absolutely make time because someone did that for me and if I can make a connection for someone that will get them in the door I'm so happy to do it um, so yeah I, I will always do that because that's what got me into entertainment paying it forward it really comes back to you and you don't know where those people are going to be they may be your bosses someday 100%, you know you yeah. never know that and not even that just take that off the table yeah. even <laughs> if they never get to that yeah. place and they went off to do something else it's just being a good person mm -hmm. and just making sure that you're supporting others who are interested in it because you could be the one who makes it or breaks it yeah. for them. <laughs> you yeah. know i don't see yeah i completely agree i, I don't think there's any value in not helping people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I understand being competitive and wanting the most for yourself. Yeah. Um, I was in the NBC page program here, which um, it's so hard to get into. It's hard to get into. I heard it was harder to get into uh, as a page than going into Harvard. So I am super <laughs> smart to all you <laughs> listeners. Thank you for acknowledging that I'm better than Harvard. Um, yeah, yeah. Statistically, there's some there's some stat that it's harder to get into this program. Um, it was the best thing I've ever done in my life. It was my dream. I was obsessed with it. I did all those internships with the hope of applying to the PAGE program because I was obsessed with NBC growing up. And I wrote my college essay about how much I love it. And so, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm ride or die. Um, so I love how yeah. every obsession you've ever had, yeah. you pretty much accomplished it. Oh my, I mean, it's been really great. At some point, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, I feel so lucky to have these passions and then be able to, you know, fulfill some of them and experience them and live out some of my dreams. Throughout mm -hmm. the PAGE program, that was a, a, the best opportunity is – there were so many moments where I would look around and be like, this is my literal dream come true. <laughs> I don't understand how I'm here. Were you just pinching yourself every day? Constantly. <laughs> to the point where I was like, okay, I'm getting bruises and people are, are going to be concerned. Um, but yeah, it was it was a dream. But the reason I bring it up is we were in a group of 22 people who all started at the same time. And we were constantly competing against each other. So you're all up for the same kind of rotations in the program. And so we were all competing against each other. But we made a rule as a group 
as a cohort that we were going to be completely transparent and completely supportive of each other. So if five of, of us were up for the Saturday Night Live position and one of us gets it, we will cheer them on. The person who got it will let us know so it, you know that you didn't get it. And pretty much we would all support each other. And there was no tension, no friction. And we all help each other to this day. So I think that that's the most valuable thing. That's actually how you met my cousin Katrina because <laughs> she was also a page. And my yeah. cousin is great. I should interview her soon She's for this. Amazing. But there's a lot of myth where you have to be in constant competition with someone. And, you know, sometimes like you have to knock people down <laughs> in order to succeed. Yeah. Actually, it's the opposite, mm -hmm. right? The more you help each other out, the better you become because it's, it, you know, you can't do anything alone. And if you have more than yeah. one person trying to help you grow and you help each other, mm -hmm. you're going to go far above and beyond each other. And there's so much things for y each of you to do. Yeah. You can't be the only person to ever produce anything, right. you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's so many TV shows out there, yeah. guys. Come yeah. on. There's to so many great talk shows, Share TV that shows. Space. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's so great that you guys were able to agree on that and still friends yeah. and you still he help each other out t till today. All the time. And I I think we're all competitive people you know we didn't get there by not being competitive but it's more like competitive with yourself and knowing yes. you can do more and yes. and knowing that you know you want more for yourself and you can do better but you don't have to take it from someone. I love that you said that. It's competing with yourself, not with yeah. other people. So as long as you're getting better every time, yeah. you should feel so proud of yourself. Right? Right? It took you a while to yeah. get where you are. And it's a lot of hard work. You wouldn't think that because he has fun <laughs> so much. But, you know, he works hard. Yeah, I always, that is something I honestly worry is that I, on social media, I like show myself having fun constantly. But, like, I... I'm a really hard worker yeah. um, and people who've worked with me know that. So I'm not concerned, but um, like, that's for sure my thing. I was like, I'll stay up all night. I don't yeah. care. I'll work a hundred days a week. But you make it fun. Yeah. You I'm make like, it look fun. Laugh about it. Like have fun, live your life. Like you can't be all upset that you're at work. Yeah. Just, have but that's make because it you love your work. True. You know? <laughs> and you talked about your friends, like people that you know yeah. that would go into a job and they don't really enjoy it. And that's mm -hmm. why you become miserable because yeah. you don't love it, mm -hmm. right? You could have a nine to five yeah. if you actually loved what you did. Yeah. So it's not about leaving your nine to five. It's about having an actual career that you love and you enjoy and you're passionate about. Yeah. And I definitely connect more with people like that. Even listening to your podcast. There's a lot of people who are, everyone is pursuing their dream instead of, you know, what they're supposed to do. Um, my best friend, uh, he's an actor. Hey, Michael. Um, <laughs> he's an actor, and that is what he wants to do, and he won't stop until that's what he does. And I think we connect so much because we're both just following our true dreams that we've always had. And there's kind of just that common ground of we know that those are the people we want to be. And so um, it really it helps you connect in a way that's different than, you know, the rest of your friends. <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand that. And sometimes you can't really talk to certain friends or people or acquaintances because they don't understand. Whenever I connect with people from my past, you know, a lot of them, like from high school, shout out to the high school people <laughs> who I doubt are listening. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of times, like, so you work on housewives? Or, like, you watch TV all day? That must be really rewarding, I guess. <laughs> and I'm like, it's my full truth, so don't come for me. Um, and I'm proud of it. So, Is there any question that you wish people asked you more of? Honestly, people don't ask me super 
intense questions because they think I'm just a fun time. And I think I am just a fun time, but I'm more than that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think a lot of times people will talk to me at somewhat a surface level because they think I'm just, like, really fun. I, I think I'm smarter than what people give me credit for. So uh, I wish people felt like they could engage in those ways with me. Just because I'm a blast, which I am, shout out to me, does not mean that I can't, you know, understand what you're talking about. If you're talking about something political or if you're talking about something more complex or emotional. I mean, I really don't like to be serious and I try not to be as much as possible. But, like, if I had a friend going through something, I would, I would hope they would come to me and talk to me about it. I remember remember this is traumatizing in high school um one of my good good friends uh, her mom passed away and we were you know we were still young and I had a friend come up to me before the funeral friend is not how I'd say that word uh frenemy uh but <laughs> so he said Donald just before we go to this funeral I, I hope you know uh you shouldn't really crack any jokes at it or you shouldn't you know you shouldn't and I was like, are you bleeping kidding me? That is so undermining everything that I am. The fact that you think I would be cracking jokes and having fun at a funeral, I know when to turn it off and on. Yeah, yeah. I think some people can be nervous about bringing me in front of their family because they're like, he's so fun. Is he going to be a loose cannon? <laughs> but like, I have emotional understanding and intelligence. I know what to turn on and off. You wouldn't be where you are right now yeah. if you didn't. <laughs> One of the biggest skills that I learned in the PAGE program and in any job that I've had is the ability to read a room. So to understand when to take a step back, to understand when to insert yourself, to when to, you know, you can always fully be yourself, but just to read a room is really important. And so not every moment I'm going to be like, let's get drunk at brunch. <laughs> like I will, and I have a lot on this podcast, but I know when to dial that back and when to be a serious person. So I have them. I just don't care to show it all the time. What am I going to do? Walk around and be like, I'm so smart. Who wants to know about it? My family, we're Asian immigrants. You know, Katrina comes from an immigrant family. And so when she decided she wanted to pursue this career, one of the biggest things that they were really concerned about is how on earth are you going to make money from this? Because, you know, just any family, they get concerned. Yeah. You know, I'm doing a podcast. My cousin <laughs> is trying to be a producer and she's right. doing that right now and I have chefs for, for other cousins as well <laughs> so we're all very artistic and they're all very worried about it yeah <laughs> so for somebody who's interested in going into this career how would you make them feel more comfortable and actually telling them you're not going to be starving when you're doing this <laughs> yeah I mean I think like any profession if you work really hard to do it you can make this happen for yourself. But it's not working hard, just applying a bunch of places and hoping for the best. This is a really connection-based industry. So you have to make the effort to get to know people. So to reach out and ask for informational meetings, doesn't matter how high or low on the totem pole that person is, you have no idea how they could help you. Something can you know, get thrown onto their lap and say, oh, I know this person's looking for a job. And then if you work hard in that, you can keep going up. So I think it's just really important to network as much as you can and just speak to anyone that you possibly could. And then really bust your ass when you get in that position. Like, do everything. Be the person who everyone wants to work with. Um, always smile when you're given a task. You never make someone feel bad about asking you to do something. So, yeah, I think that those are things that people should know. You can make a life for yourself. 
no, I don't make as much as a banker does, but no, do I need to. I live a great life and I don't, you know, I'm very happy with it. If that's your passion, there might be some sacrifices and that you, you might not be, you know, an ultra millionaire, but you might, depending on where your path takes you. You never know. Bankers may have a lot of money, but look what they have to do to yeah, get it. Right? Exactly. So I don't know if I want that much money right. to do what they yeah. do. <laughs> I'm like not your typical Asian. I hate math. I'm bad at math. <laughs> yeah. Anything with numbers, Donald, don't talk to me. Same. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm not your typical Jew because I don't I know. know finance stuff. But here I am giving finance advice. That's right. Yeah. Yes. And also make sure you listen to the extended interview because Donald's going to give us a lot of tips on how to create a really incredible Instagram stories. Yes. Right, Donald? You're yes. going to do that for us, right? You're going to learn something <laughs> new today. Your followers will thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? At the Prima Donald on Instagram. Slide into my DMs. I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Donald, for your incredible tips and for letting me in this building. Oh, my God. Finally. You're always welcome. And thank you. This is my first podcast Yay! interview. My first interview in general. I popped general. your cherry. <laughs> Woo! There we go. <laughs> Cheers, darling. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Donald. Make sure to visit TheOffBeatLife.com. Again, that's TheOffBeatLife.com to get the extended interview with Donald where he shares how to improve your Instagram stories game. Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at TheOffbeatLife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.